0: For some reason, I'm thinking that I should really start building my funeral playlist just in case. Yeah, there you (laughs) go. (laughs) If I pass away, here's my Spotify (laughs) password.
1: When you have a lousy reputation and then you try Mm -hmm. to tell them about Jesus, forget it. You're not going to get an audience.
0: In order to actually display the fruit of the Spirit in the way that the Bible says, you actually have to walk by the Spirit and not by the
1: flesh. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Laderelle. In this episode, we ask the question, should we care what others think of us?
0: like how you enunciated memes very clearly this time. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, sometimes people don't get that and it's important to just reinforce the joke.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And a
0: Joke is funnier when you have to explain it. Right. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> how are things going for you, Josh?
0: Oh, going all right. I just got back from a. Uh, work trip okay. so i got to go to traverse city michigan mm-hmm. which was strangely colder than here at the time Yay. and i actually had snow and came back to warm weather which mm-hmm. i'm not used to getting off the plane you know in south dakota and it being warmer than where <laughs> i left yes but such is life and i appreciated and enjoyed it and so yeah, yeah. i'm back in the swing of things how about Wonderful.
1: yourself yeah well it's been a mixed bag um whether, you know, the spring has finally sprung here in the Northern Plains, uh, green grass, the snow is all gone. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'm not scraping my windshield in the morning. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, leaves are starting to bust out on the trees. I love it. So great. I love the green. I, I love it. But on a more personal level, uh, my mother passed away yesterday, uh, the day before we were recording this episode. We knew it was coming. She had been ill for a while. And so this was not unexpected. Um, but I was with her when she passed, and so she was not alone. And it's just been a day or two of, you know, uh, thinking through things. I'm still sort of numb. I'm guessing that uh, when I've got a few hours to myself, that'll probably when it really uh, be when it really hits, you know, and then I'll be glad that I'm not around other people because <laughs> I have a, a law about crying in public. So, you know, it's that, that kind of thing, but my mom uh, knew Jesus, so, um that was a comfort to me and to my siblings. She was very organized, she knew the time was coming, so she uh, gave me all the information I would need to you know who to call, what companies to contact, and uh what friends to call, and you know here's where these documents are located, and you'll need this and that and I'm like, wow, you know so uh she made it very easy um on. Those kind of things, she already prepaid for her cremation and all those arrangements. So, uh, my siblings and I did not have to make any decisions regarding a service or regarding burial or caskets or anything like that. Um, What a
0: gift to give to your family! Yeah, not everybody's able to do that or even knows how to do that.
1: Right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey would say don't prepay for your funeral, but it's never a bad idea to pre-plan if you're going to have a service. What what songs do you want to sing? What scripture do you want? You know, are there certain things you would, you know, who would you like to read the obituary? Do you do you have somebody who would do a le- eulogy? Those kind of things are fine. But my mom did not want a service, but uh, we'll scatter her ashes later this summer and uh, at a place where she asked. And, and uh, we'll have a service then. And now will give time for her friends from around the country to come by and to be there for that. So a so, um, um, little numb, uh, I think maybe you know, but surprisingly, you know, I'm doing very well. And I think part of it is just that, you know, the hard part's over, you know, she's gone. Yeah. And so there's no suffering now. There's no, uh, no lingering regrets. She was able to make peace with my siblings. There were some issues there and they were able to come together and forgiveness and grace flowed. And that was a relief for everybody, and you know, two days after that uh, was when she passed, pretty much. And I think that was um, the Lord allowing her to stay long enough for those uh, breaches to be healed. So I'm grateful for that, and and uh, so she's with Jesus, and we're not with her. And someday, Lord willing, we'll see her again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but life goes on for us, and we got things to do. So and I think maybe I'm doing a podcast tonight because I don't want to be alone. <laughs> Josh, you're my blanket tonight. You're my you're my source of uh distraction for the podcast here. So I'm okay.
0: happy to be here for you, man. All
1: right then. And I appreciate that, Josh. And I you're a good friend anyway. And I know that even if we didn't do the podcast, you'd be offering, you know, your your comfort and prayers and stuff and even presents if necessary. And I appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. absolutely I, I do have a lot of respect for your mother, even though I know that I've met her or at mm-hmm. least haven't interacted much with her. But just mm-hmm. yeah, it's sort of inspiring in a way to to think and be able to do something like that for your family. And mm-hmm. even though, yeah, she's not having a funeral, it's still right. appropriate. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. and we'll have a time where her friends can come and still yeah. celebrate and remember. Uh, you know, funerals are not for the dead, funerals are for the living, you know, and um so when you plan funeral mm-hmm. services and remembrance services, they're for the sake of the living. They're not for the sake of the dead. A funeral is is a way for the living to get closure, and so uh, whether it's an elaborate funeral or a simple remembrance of some sort, you know, if that helps those who remain, uh, then then that I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, kind of makes you think about the future and mm-hmm. and being a little bit more prepared. Obviously, to. Yeah be have my affairs in order and now Mm -hmm. for some reason i'm thinking that i should really start building my funeral playlist just yeah there you
1: go there you go (laughs) now see there's a generational thing i wouldn't have (laughs) even thought of the word playlist didn't even enter my enter my mind (laughs) if
0: i pass away you know here's here's my spotify password (laughs) this playlist that i've been curating my entire life right right first 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 song is rock me like a hurricane (laughs)
1: At least you picked a cool '80s song by cool the Scorpions. Song. Yes. yes, that's
0: how I <laughs> want to go out.
1: There you go. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So yeah. we had we had a good conversation about where her faith was. You no, know, I, just, I, I really, appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Sorry yeah, to no. get silly on no, you there. No, no, I don't mind at all. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, well. Here is another just kind of story, and we're off topic right now. We'll get into the topic here in a minute. But one of the things I learned over the years is that when you know the time is coming. And you're a believer in Jesus, and you're not sure they are. Or you just want to make sure. You've got to have that conversation. There was a time when I didn't. Um, The last time I saw my grandfather on my dad's side, we both knew it was going to be the last time. And I should and I could have sat down and said, Grandpa, let me talk to you about Jesus for a little while. and And I didn't. I completely chickened out. Just totally chickened out. You know, I hope he knew Jesus. I hope I hope I'll see him in heaven. I I hope that he had heard the gospel enough that and he was able to respond before he passed on. My hope. That's my hope. So uh, when my grandmother was gravely ill in the hospital, I said, I'm not gonna do that again.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I said, Grandma, uh, I need to put my pastor hat on for a second. That helped break the ice, you know. Let's just talk about where you're, you know, let's talk about Jesus for a little bit because I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you down the road you know i want to see you with jesus you know so here's what that means and i shared the good news of jesus with her and uh she came to christ that day and um so i'm confident i'll see her in heaven um and i've done that with others since then but you know when you're with your mom and you know you're hours away you've got to take that opportunity you know and um, even if they reject it You will at least know that you've taken an opportunity that you'll never have again. And you never know what God can say to somebody in the midst of their last moments. Mm -hmm. You know, it could, you know, and I just don't know. Yeah. You know, um,
0: so. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know. Right. There's a lot of of things that God's doing all the time that we're just Mm -hmm. not aware of. Right. We get to play a part, the part that we're responsible with. Right. For. and And, And we trust him. Trust him for the rest.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, moving on. So before we get into the topic, Josh, have you started any new books? Are you in the midst of anything right now? Or have you listened to any new podcasts or exciting podcasts?
0: A few. Yeah. They're not quite coming to mind right now. I know I'm listening to a new podcast uh, that's called All In, which because I'm sort of a, a tech guide in the tech industry, uh, it's uh, several entrepreneurs and venture capitalists that, Ooh. you know, are – own or invest in or have bought and sold various companies and they are talking about current trends in sometimes politics, sometimes tech, sometimes finance, mm-hmm. et cetera. But it's usually pretty relevant to the kind of work that I do. So, okay. and they don't always agree. They've got sort of a good tension. You know, they're all really good friends, but they have different perspectives. And so they'll oh, kind sure. of clash and bat things back and forth. I actually had uh, one of the Presidential candidates on, I think, a Democratic presidential okay. candidate, the one that's challenging Joe Biden. Oh, uh, no kidding. No, Kennedy, something Kennedy. Anyway, okay. so that was interesting. And mm-hmm. it was it was a chance to at least sort of hear somebody talk at length and get asked real questions and give real answers and not be, you know, a sort of canned set of sound bites on nice. TV. So uh nice. sounds like they're going to do that more often with as many candidates as they can get on. And I just I think that's a good format. I like their approach. I don't know where they're at in terms of faith or belief or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but they do a pretty good job of kind of doing what we do in the sense of talking about difficult issues, but doing it in love. They're all friends at the end. They might be talking to somebody that they disagree with, but Mm -hmm. they're going to do it respectfully. And so that's great. So more people that are demonstrating that, living that out and, you know, modeling that for others, the better.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great. Uh, Recently, I had to take a trip to Montana. And so drove that, and I downloaded a biography of General George Patton. Interesting character. Oh, my goodness. And I knew that already, but this biography was fascinating, and I need to do more reading about him. Uh, Really uh, eclectic belief system. He read the Bible every day, but he also believed in reincarnation. He was um, superstitious in some things, and uh, obviously a very brash uh, guy, and controversial, uh, we won't get into everything, but um, if you want an interesting character study, General Patton, World War II, and uh, uh, he, he died in the di- in the last days of World War II in a car accident, which is suspicious to a number of people. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, Bill Riley wrote a book called Killing Patton, and he believes that uh, Patton was killed. If I remember right, he was killed by the U.S. government. To silence him on some issues, I have no idea. If you know, whatever. But um so that was an interesting read. The, <laughs> the book didn't go into that, which I'm grateful for. But uh I was listening to one of the latest editions of Truth Over Tribe, and Pat Miller, Patrick Miller, one of the hosts there, interviewed the hosts of Pantsuit Suit Politics, which I've never heard of before. I mean, it's it's hosted by two ladies. I'm sorry I don't remember their names. And One's more liberal, one's more conservative, but they're both believers in Jesus and they discuss politics. I tried to listen to an episode and it had like three sections on this podcast episode. And one of them was, you know, why did, uh, the speaker of the house release the January 6th videotapes, but only to Tucker Carlson, you know, why didn't he just let it let everybody have them, you know? And, uh, you know, That's like, a
0: question that I had myself. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought of that. But uh, these two ladies, so you wouldn't, you know, and it's something I'm getting past my own sexist boxes, you know. These ladies were having a great intelligent conversation about why would he do this? And they both disagreed with that. They They say he shouldn't have done that. But this was not just surface conversation. This was really good stuff. And then they interviewed a lady who was an author and an editor owned a book company and they talked with her about her work and things. And it was really well, really well done. I was very pleased. It was, But the, in, the interview that they did with uh, Truth Over Tribe was really wonderful. I just really enjoyed. They're both very active in their communities on the very local level. The topic they were talking about was, will local politics make a comeback? Because everybody's so focused on national issues that they don't run for school boards and don't run, don't run for city council and that's where people need to be involved. And then some. the mistake other people make is that they'll run for the city council, but they'll bring their national agenda with them. Mm-hmm. And so um, – and she was that's So there's mistake. some
0: foot soldier of a national-level party or platform or yeah. movement or something like that mm-hmm. at the local level mm-hmm. rather than trying to yeah. be a good representative of their constituents locally. Yeah.
1: So it was a very good podcast. I'm still working on my biography of General Grant. So – working through that still and uh, had oh, to you take You do break. like the
0: military generals, don't you? I do.
1: I don't know why. I'm not a military person. I mean, I don't have a military background, but military history I've always loved. And I get that from my dad. My dad had military history books in his collection at home. And so I'd read some of those and um, I just don't know why. Just fascinating. I have Civil War history and World War II history. and But yeah, I just love those kind of things. So anyway, having a great time. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on. We're talking about should we care what others think of us as Christians because we live in a world where Christianity is probably the most influential worldview in the world right now. I was trying to look up statistics and I just didn't have the time I'm not sure if Christianity is the majority view in the world right now Josh, do you have any insight on that? I know the
0: majority like, view like
1: would 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 you say that Christianity is the largest religion in the world right now?
0: I believe it is the largest religion. Okay. Yeah. And of course, I don't know whether that would qualify as the majority view. Right. Okay. Could just be the largest minority. Right. I'm not sure. Right.
1: But uh, I would say it's probably the most influential one just because of its effect on the world's Western civilization and blah, blah, blah. And I've been told by Christians that we should not care what the world thinks of us, Christians. That, that the world hates us, they've always hated us, they always will hate us, and therefore we shouldn't care what the world thinks of us. We just need to stand our ground and not care. And usually those comments come up in a political context, uh, where we offer what we believe to be a biblical position on, a, on an issue. And if there's blowback, it's often attributed to the world just hating Christ, hating Christians, and hating all things biblical. They just hate us. It's a good excuse
0: for being a jerk.
1: Exactly right. Right. And it was just pushed aside with this, you know, of course, it's because the world hates us. Let me say very quickly that sometimes the disagreement is due to as much to how that position is stated as much as to what is stated. And that's what you just mentioned. that sometimes people hate us because we're jerks. Uh, so much of the hate quote is actually about what is said, not actually necessarily the person, but it can be taken that way. And often Christians will internalize or, or personalize that. They don't like my position, so they hate me and they hate Christians. And that is often not the case. So the question we're asking then is, should we care what others think of us as Christians? Or should we just say, hey, we have our stuff. You need to leave us, you know, they're just going to hate us and haters are going to hate. But I think, kind yes.
0: A, that'd be like the, the Taylor Swift approach, right? Or right. Just haters are going to hate. Haters going to hate. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. So should we care what others think of us? The shorter answer is Yes.
0: Okay, we're done with the podcast. I I
1: think so. Good. Uh, Yeah. yeah. uh, No, let's uh, let's explore that a little bit. Okay, sure. Well, I believe God wants us to be people who have positive reputations in the world around us. And not just politically. Uh, In fact, we may never have a positive reputation politically. But we are to have a positive reputation with our spheres of influence, the people that we're around. Why would I think that? Well, only because scripture says so very directly. We're going to look at two passages of scripture written through Paul and directed particularly toward those who aspire to leadership in the church, but it's applicable to everybody. Now, when Paul wrote this, Christianity wasn't just a minority worldview. It was a tiny worldview, and it was considered a cult by many of the people around him. And it was during this time when the Roman Empire and its rulers didn't just hate Christians, they hunted them. And they persecuted them, they tortured them, and they killed them for fun with impunity because they thought they were doing the gods and society a favor. So when Paul talks about these things, he's talking in a context where there really was hate and fear. So these words to me have even more weight to them because we don't live in an atmosphere here in the the U.S. where we face that kind of opposition.
0: Well, you're not talking about loving your enemy as somebody who's really doesn't like the guy that you voted for. Mm -hmm. In that context, it meant something a little bit more serious. Right. Like Mm -hmm. someone who would really like to see you torn apart by lions or something like that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Sure. Yep. And so what you said in our very first podcast, Josh, was that, you know, there's a difference between enemies and opponents. And we think of everybody who disagrees with us as an enemy. And that's just not the case. Oh, we don't. Well, no, no. We're, you and we're I enlightened don't. podcasts. We so are. Of course, we, we wouldn't are, course. think right. such things. Yes. Uh, we're using the royal we uh-huh, as in yes. everybody, mm-hmm. yeah, including King Charles, mm-hmm. which would really make it the royal we. <laughs> I'm not going to use the toilet joke, which somebody could, which I won't. Okay. But especially with King Charles. Anyway, but Christianity overall, we don't face that. Now, some places in the world do. There's absolutely no question. I mean. Well, as we've alluded to numerous times on this podcast, it is dangerous to actually be a Christian in many parts of the world. It's dangerous to to proclaim a faith in Jesus because you could very well lose your life. Your family could be taken away, tortured, killed, and you could lose your job. You could lose your livelihood. Um, so I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying generally here in the U.S., um, which is where I think most of our audience is, we don't have that. We have opponents. When we need to be people with a good reputation in a place where people think well of us. I love these words from Paul because it, it has shaped how I try to lead my own life, even before I became a pastor. And the first passage is First Timothy 3, verses 6 through 8. And again, he's talking specifically about leaders within the church. And he says, he must not be a recent convert, or he may be conceited, and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Well, that's an interesting passage right there. Verse 7, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Hmm. Verse 8, in the same way, deacons, another form of church leader, are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. I love that. That is some good stuff right there. But I love he says you must have a good reputation with outsiders. Outsiders in this context are people outside of Christ. It's not just people outside of your political spectrum. And then he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Again. Win the respect of outsiders. When people see you, your life should be different because of Christ. And it should be a good difference. So I've come up with just a few ways that we can do that. And the sentences are semi-short here, but we can take some time and and talk through some of these, Josh. But before we do that, any your thoughts on any of this so far?
0: This is something that's important to me, just especially in— professional context, Uh having a good reputation and just doing a good job Uh in general, Uh, doing your best to to follow through, to be ethical uh, is something that I try to keep at the forefront of my mind best Uh I can. And part of the reason for that is passages like this in the Bible that Uh just emphasizes how important it is to have a good reputation, to maintain a good reputation, to not be known as somebody who's a little shady or who cuts corners or Mm -hmm. who, you know, messes around on his family or something like that. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think there is a difference between having a good reputation and seeking approval from the world. Because I think there's two ways you can sort of go astray. One Mm -hmm. is to just, like you said, not care what anybody thinks and just assume that anytime somebody's bad mouthing you, it's because they just hate Jesus, which (laughs) most times isn't true. Right. (laughs) Uh, But You can kind of go the other direction and and sort of try to ingratiate yourself with Mm -hmm. sort of the culture around you, maybe going so far as to, you know, spend most of your time criticizing other Christians Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, knocking other people down who are Christians and pointing out their flaws because, Mm -hmm. you know, you get sort of a pat on the back by the the world around you, which I think is also a bad idea. Or
1: engaging or condoning sin. Sure. Uh, engaging in it to just to try to become friends. yeah, just mm-hmm. to fit in, and trumpeting that. Well, you know, grace, you know, sure. grace covers all this. So, and that's the great thing about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Yeah, so.
0: and I think it's important to recognize that your your circle might be different. The people mm-hmm. you're trying to fit in with might be different. It might not be, you know, left wing people or 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 very you know progressive people that are or atheists or something like that. Maybe the 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 world that you're trying to fit into is. Conservative, gun toten, uh-huh. you know, kind of looks down on immigrants or says nasty things about political opponents. And you uh-huh. kind of just go along with that. Uh-huh. Maybe you kind of feel a little weird because Jesus, you know, said to care for widows and orphans uh-huh. and watch out for the needs of sojourners and not, uh-huh. to, not to badmouth your opponents. But your friends are doing it. And so you just kind of go along with it because that, you know, you want to fit in. Right. And that would be equally, yeah, I guess— not developing a good reputation, but mm-hmm. just sort of going along to to gain approval right. from the world around you. Yeah. So good the point. world could mm-hmm. be coming from any part of the political spectrum that isn't mm-hmm. representing or living by the values that, that Jesus taught.
1: Right. And Galatians talks about, you know, am I trying to please men or am I trying to please God? And so when you're trying to ingratiate yourself, that's seeking approval from men rather than approval from God. And Jesus addressed that also. He said, how can you understand this when you're so worried about getting glory from people and not from God? And so, yeah, boy, I'm so glad you pointed that because it's so easy to just see one end of it. But there is, uh, you know, we don't want to totally ignore everything to just believe, you know, to hate the world. But we also don't need to ingratiate ourselves to it either. So good, good point. Excellent. So let's look at just, I picked out five things that came to mind about ways to develop a good reputation, a great reputation, both from these passages. And one thing that's not on here that I better say now, because I will forget, is that I think, and, and these five things I think help with that. But we've said it on the podcast before, but I believe that Christians should be the best at whatever they do. Not necessarily quality-wise, but they should be the, the most honorable. They should be the hardest working they should care the most for their employees or their employers and for their co-workers. Um, they should have the most integrity. You know, they should be the hardest working. They, when, If the boss comes around, they're working, you know. Things
0: you actually have control over. Not yeah. Like you sh- Christians be the best at math. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, boy, thank you, Jesus, that uh, that <laughs> is covered by the cross because I was the poster child for math anxiety in college. It Ooh. was pretty horrible. Yeah.
0: Boy, I didn't realize it was dredging up such a oh, yeah. traumatic memory.
1: We tried to have a, a telethon, but we couldn't find anybody to count the money. So,
0: <laughs> so. I'm so good at getting you off track. Yeah,
1: that's, well, that's okay. And <laughs> I totally stole that joke from a professor in college. So.
0: <laughs> good. Anyway. Not very ethical of you. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you admit it. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Maybe, I, maybe I creatively borrowed it.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're flattering him by imitating him. And if
1: I remembered his name, I would tell it and give him credit for Mm -hmm. it. But uh, he was a speech professor at South Dakota State University in the mid-80s. All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ways to develop a great reputation. And I tell you what, if you're listening to this, these are things that we would love some comments on because we would love to – as our ministry expands here, we can put some of these things in print and we can maybe come up with, you know, something that we can give to people to help them with with these kind of things. These are really practical things. Okay. Way number one, be a person of integrity in all matters. Now, that sounds easy, but it's not always easy. Um, There are going to be times when you are asked or when you find yourself in a situation where fudging a number, maybe not telling All of the details that a customer would expect or something. I, you know, I can't speak for everybody. For me, I'm in retail sales. Uh, I need to be a person that when I'm talking to my customer, they can trust everything that comes out of my mouth. If they're asking a question, I need to answer honestly, even if it means they don't buy my product because I have to sleep at night and I have to look at myself in the mirror. But above all, Jesus knows. And I don't want them to come back and say, Hey, you know, Brian lied to me about this or Brian didn't cover this or Brian kind of fluffed through that. And so I didn't understand it or, you know, other things where, you know, uh, there's tons of areas of integrity, you know, and depending on your personal career path, that can mean different things. So maybe you write your own time cards and, you know, so you want to claim what you worked, but you know, well, is it really going to hurt me to round up, you know, if you're an hourly person or if you're like an out, outside salesperson? Well, I did 17 presentations this week, uh, but you only did 14. And the minimum you're supposed to do is 15, but you fudged it and said 17. You know, and hopefully a Christian wouldn't do that. Uh, hopefully there wouldn't be something so blatant. But these are things where you can't go wrong by being good. Does that make sense? mm mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that
0: that kind of temptation comes in when it's just like kind of right on the edge. Like obvious things, I think, are easier to resist sometimes than those subtle little fudges that you feel. Well, oh, that's not going to hurt anybody, and why not make myself look a little better, right. you know, in this situation, or get a few extra bucks mm-hmm. here and there.
1: Or it's let's just say, not worth uh, it. I mean, a it, group comes. Maybe, maybe yeah. there's a session where if you're honest with your numbers, it's going to affect the group that you're part of negatively Mm -hmm. and they know that they know that your numbers are bad and they approach you and go come on man because you don't have a right to drag us down so we need you to do this so the rest of us don't suffer because of you and on the surface answer is well i can't do that and that's the right answer but how do you respond to somebody uh, sure. You know, I it, suppose
0: if you're on a sales team or you've got a report that you have to put in and mm-hmm. you're seeing some, something that it does, isn't looking so good, mm-hmm. and there would be a way to sort of fudge that to make it look mm-hmm. a little bit better for, maybe not for you necessarily, mm-hmm. but, but for your team. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a really interesting okay. thing to think about.
1: Yeah, so that's, it's just we just need to be constantly asking. And of course, the question we can always ask is, what would Jesus do? And, and that is an honest, serious question that we can ask ourselves. It doesn't have to be the cliche it became in the 80s and 90s. It can be honest saying, boy, I don't see Jesus doing this. I, I can't do that, guys. I mean, even if you don't say it that way, but you can say, I'm, I can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. I can't. Why not? Well, because it's wrong. I used to work at a hotel and, um, and I was the overnight guy and, people, and business people would stay there and they would get reimbursed for their uh, food. But they would not be reimbursed for alcohol. So they would come to the front desk and say, can you change this receipt to just show, you know, beverages, not alcohol? And some of the clerks would do that. I just couldn't do it. And they would say, well, why not? Is it because it's fraud. You're asking me to do something illegal here, and I can't do that. Yeah. Well, nobody will know. I know.
0: Even if you think it's a dumb rule.
1: Yeah. 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 And I guess, I don't, I don't know if it was illegal, but it was certainly fraud. Well, it was illegal because they were also using, their company would use this to write off on their taxes, you know, and you can't write off alcohol purchases, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. But anyway.
0: I'm still working through that. You know, I, I work for a, a university now. So mm-hmm. yeah. they've, got, yeah. they've got a bunch of rules like that I'm still kind of getting familiar with. Yeah. And so. Yeah.
1: But. uh. Yeah, but I understand
0: that kind of uh, thing, especially for like travel expenses and things like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they didn't like me, but at least I wouldn't have to worry about getting caught about something because I didn't do this wrong thing. So be a person of integrity at all times. Just ask yourself, you know, is this the right thing? Do you see Jesus do this kind of thing? Or what if Jesus were standing with you? Mm -hmm. Would you do this if you knew Jesus was in the room or he was inspecting your books?
0: Well, that's an interesting conundrum, though, because you're in a situation where you're going to do something to maintain, like you said, a good reputation. Mm-hmm. However, in doing that, people around you are not going to like you. Right. Which is interesting. And mm-hmm. they might not think very highly of you in the sense that you're not playing ball with them or mm-hmm. you're going to make them look bad or, you know, right. yeah. make them feel guilty or
1: right. and that so- sort of thing and the customers would be the ones who would be mad at me in this case. And I never said anything to the other employees about it. I didn't say, well, I would never do that. (laughs) Okay. You know, I didn't mention that they were doing that. Mm -hmm. And usually it was just me at the front desk anyway. You know, they said, well, we used to always do this or we've always done it in the past. And I go, well, maybe, but I'm not doing it. And uh, then if they complained, which they never did, because if they complain, they say, "Hey, you know your your guy here wouldn't help us out with this." Oh, so you want him to be in trouble for not lying?" <laughs> so um, that's just one example. But obviously, in different areas of work and life, different situations pop up, yeah,
0: and I'm sure our audience could think of all sorts of things that apply. Mm-hmm. To their specific situation or their work history or something like that. And
1: and truly, we would love to hear that. Yeah, because I know there's things I'm not thinking of here. I've lived in the retail world for 40 years, uh, and there's obviously a bigger, much bigger world than that. And we would love to hear what, and we would love to hear challenges that you've had to your integrity that through God's help, you were able to overcome that. So we would love to hear that.
0: Without incriminating yourself, if right. you you know have a, a situation you where you really didn't live up to those standards, and you feel absolutely. comfortable sharing that,
1: right? Right. Um,
0: that would be that would be something because
1: mm-hmm. we can learn from
0: that. Absolutely. Yeah. We've all been there. It's oh, not absolutely. Like we're enlightened podcast hosts. So, oh, wait, I claimed I that we were. We, earlier. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: Dang it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cross number one off the list here. Yep. Anyway, darn that uh, integrity. Right. So now. I would love to say that I've always been a person of integrity in all matters. And that would be false. Be a lie. It would be a lie, but this is something that the Lord has really helped me, especially in the last few years. And I think part of it is as I get older, I'm not a people pleaser as much as I used to be. And I'm able to say people more directly. No, I'm not going to do that or no, that's not right. So no. Okay. So be a person of integrity in all matters. Number two, be a person who displays the fruit of the spirit in all your interactions whether in person, over the phone, or over the Twitter interwebs. Uh-huh. Yes. The fruit of the Spirit, to me, is the key to ultimate relationships, uh, even with people you disagree with. If you're a nice person, you can disagree with a lot of people and they'll still like you.
0: There's an art to finding common ground and connecting with people on a personal level and showing them that you care about them as a person and their well-being first more than you care about being right or proving them wrong Mm -hmm. or somehow like focusing on where you disagree Mm -hmm. which it's always a a point of stress or contention Mm -hmm. or yeah there's an art to that It's it's a learned thing and and sort Mm -hmm. of just getting some good like interpersonal skills and being able to love people well even when there's Mm -hmm. some sort of disagreement or some Mm -hmm. sort of conflict or clash of values or, or priorities. that's the sort of thing that can really help you love each other better in every situation.
1: Right. You know, we can always be kind to everybody. We can always be loving. We can always be patient. You know, I don't know if I can always be patient. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, and and those are hard and that's why the fruit of the spirit is so important. God helps us with that. The fruit, the spirit helps us become that kind of a person. And, uh, but I believe that if we will display the fruit of the spirit, a lot of the tensions would go away, even in times of disagreement, even if we had to confront somebody, maybe in a work situation, they will have already seen that we're a kind, loving person. And they're much more likely to listen to us if we have to confront them about something Christian bosses. If they have to confront an employee about something, hopefully they've got a reputation of being a person who does that well, because, um, uh, that's a lot easier to take, but also it keeps the doors open mm-hmm. to other conversations that might lead to spiritual conversations down the road. But you've got to you be able to display the fruit of the Spirit. It's just, you have to. In fact, it's required by God. We've talked before that everybody is required to, to display all of the fruit of the Spirit all the time.
0: Let me add a caveat to that. The, mm-hmm. the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of our own efforts. Correct. So I think it's important to note that in order to actually display the fruit of the Spirit Mm -hmm. uh, in the way that the Bible says, you actually have to walk by the Spirit. Yes. uh, And not Mm -hmm. by the flesh, not by Mm -hmm. thinking that if you just work a little harder, you'll get a little bit better. Right. Uh, It it really comes from spending time with God and spending time in God's Word and sort of being willing to give up your will Mm -hmm. and... Favor of God's will and uh, just being willing to sort of be open to what God has for you. Right. And not try to act as though you got it all figured out and that, you know, your goodness is up to you because ultimately Mm -hmm. it's not like we don't have that in ourselves. The fruit of the Spirit comes from the Spirit, not from us.
1: Right. And if you're not able to display the fruit of the Spirit, then that's an issue that you need to spend more time with the Lord. And that's something that you can. Aid in when you spend time with God, you become more like Him. So yeah, but if you're if you're a Christian and you can't display the fruit of the Spirit well, you need to spend more time with the Lord uh, and allow His Spirit to yeah. yeah, okay. Number three is watch your alcohol and drug intake. Now, let me first of all just go back to the passage in in Timothy here, verse six, not indulging in much wine. Wine was something that a lot of people drank back then, and it wasn't just grape juice; it was wine. And they drank it for various reasons. Timothy was known to have a stomach problem, but Paul was talking about leaders here, not indulging in much wine. I personally believe social drinking, or uh, I'm trying to find another word and it's gone. Moderate. Moderate. Thank you. There you go. Is a Christian freedom. That's my own personal view of what scripture says. I know others will disagree with me, but the point is that drunkenness is a sin in black and white. I mean, there's no question about that. And Paul, I believe, is saying here that if you have a reputation as someone who indulges in much wine and who is drunk a lot, you've lost your reputation. You cannot have a positive reputation. I've seen it in my own life, not as a drunkard. <laughs> but um, I worked for a restaurant in Florida. Uh, it was a chain of four restaurants owned by one guy who was very vocal about his love and allegiance to Jesus, but showed up at the restaurants, sloshed on multiple occasions. It was a common source of talk among the rest of the staff. Oh, here he comes, sloshed again. And every staff meeting was started with prayer, that this guy would lead prayer, and he'd get almost evangelistic. But he had a very not good reputation among his employees, which was sad. So watch your alcohol and drug intake. And um, I put alcohol and drugs just because I think they're covered by the same scripture. We're not to be intoxicated by whatever, because I think that damages your reputation. Number four, demonstrate compassion, including to those who disagree with you on essential issues. That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan disagreed with the Jews on essential issues of who God is. And what salvation meant, what worship meant. Mm -hmm. And Jesus used a Samaritan in his story to treat a wounded Jewish person. Jesus said, you need to demonstrate compassion no matter what.
0: And not only that, Jesus was clear that the Samaritans had it wrong in their beliefs. Mm -hmm. Not that Mm -hmm. the Jews had it all right, but Mm -hmm. when he was talking to the woman at the well, who was also a Samaritan. Mm -hmm. I mean... He didn't pull any punches with her about right. what, what they had wrong about who God was and mm-hmm. what God had said to his people. Right. Uh, so he wasn't saying that Samaritan beliefs were correct, right. but he was saying that Samaritan demonstrated love. Right. I think it's important to recognize, because Jesus did, that people who don't know Jesus can love sometimes as well or better than Absolutely. Some Christians. Absolutely. There's no reason to sort of pretend like, you know, just because you're a Christian, you're automatically nicer or Mm -hmm. kinder than anybody else.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes that's just not true at all. Right. Uh, In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller says that very thing, (laughs) you know, um, that many of the non-Christians he meant were nicer people and even more Christ-like than some of the Christians he knew. And there's no question that that's true. I've seen it in some of my own relationships, but that doesn't, again, we're not saying that 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 validates any of their viewpoints or beliefs about God. We're just noting the fact that these are genuine people who love well mm-hmm. and, and show compassion. And we can learn from that. Absolutely. And the last one I'm going to pull up, number five, work to reflect Jesus' attitude toward others. And that's kind of the bottom line to me. Philippians chapter two, it says, starting in verse three. Consider others, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. The newer NIV says, consider others over yourself.
0: Or more important More than important.
1: Yourself. I think maybe it even says more yeah. important. And then it, he goes on to say, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality God, with God something to be grasped. Lowered himself, and mm-hmm. became a servant. It's so. not,
0: and that's not to say that we should devalue ourselves either. Because no. I, I think some people, and maybe I have even done this at times, just like, oh, well, I'm no good. I just need to think low, lowly of myself, yeah. you know, and 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 always Word be down. That I am. Yeah. Yes. And it's really, I mean, if you look at the the structure of the sentence, he's not saying to think of yourself less, right. or think of yourself as a lowly person. It's almost like act as if. When you're with mm-hmm. somebody, act as if they're more important than right. you. You're
1: act, elevating
0: them. Act, yeah. You're not putting yourself down. You're right. acting as if that person is a guest of honor. Let's yes. say, yeah, whoever they are, they're they're the most important person in the room. Right. In that sense, that's a challenge.
1: Oh man, no kidding. And you know, I hope people listening to this never get the idea that Josh and I feel like we've got this thing figured out and we're perfect at it, and we're just preaching to people who need to step up and be as good as we are at this, these topics come up. And most of the time I'm working on these, it's because of what God has done in me through my failures. Or is this.
0: doing. It's like, oh, yeah, it's really challenging on me. Oh, and yeah. it's like, I'm not so good at this. I think yeah. I may, need to, you know, think about this a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. And
1: sometimes as I'm giving examples from my own life, some of those examples are more recent than I care to admit. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. uh, You know, some of these, you know, may have just happened the day I'm working on this. You know, and I hate that because I would love to think that four decades after giving my life to Jesus that I've got this thing. And I don't. But that's one of the great things about God's grace. And uh, Lamentation says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Boy, do I need that. I need his grace every day. So those are just things that I came up with, Josh. Is there any way in particular that you, any other ways to develop a great reputation um, that just jump out at you, maybe from your own experience or things that you've seen in the past?
0: I think your list is good. I think it it covers a lot of things that I've been thinking about and either have tried to work on or be aware of in my own life or, or seen other people model well. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, It's important to sort of study what makes people feel valued. Mm -hmm. Obviously in business, that's important in sales, for instance, that's Mm -hmm. very important in any Mm -hmm. kind of communication, which is sort of my background, Mm -hmm. um, making people feel heard, valued, understood, listened to is a critical skill. Mm -hmm. It's something that I think Christians would do well to spend more time studying and practicing. Because it's it's not something that necessarily comes naturally uh-huh. to us humans. Right. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it not only is good in terms of having a good reputation, but there's some strong overlaps with sort of those kinds of communication, interpersonal relationship best practices. Right. And what Jesus and the Bible and has been telling people right. <laughs> to do for yep. thousands of years. Right. right. Yeah.
1: And I think it it is good to study those things. And we need to be intentional about those because our default switch is selfishness. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to cover for ourselves and and to talk in ways and communicate in ways that protect us. And don't consider the other person above ourselves or more important than ourselves. Uh, We're protecting ourselves and we cover our butts. And we get pretty good at that. And it's not a good thing. Always. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, I did think of number six. Don't be a jerk for Jesus.
0: should go without saying. It should go without saying,
1: but it doesn't. And there's two reasons I'm bringing it up. First of all, when you have a lousy reputation, you're a bad worker, or you're a gossip, or people just don't like being around you, or uh, you, know, you lie, or you fudge things. And then you try to tell them about Jesus, forget it. You're not going to get an audience. And then it makes it harder for people who do love Jesus and do really want to serve others who are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. To have a conversation with somebody down the road, you know, about Jesus, they go, oh, yeah, well, we know that guy over there. He claims to be a Christian.
0: Yeah. And look how he treats people. Yeah. Yeah. Look what he posts on Twitter.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the second reason I'm bringing that up is because we've decided that, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but if we ever get merch, one of the first things we're going to do is get a, like a coffee mug or a T-shirt that says, no jerks for Jesus. You know, so, yep. You know, just, it's just on the list. Putting that back on, yeah, we're go back on the radar here. So. <laughs> We have this list, and then we can ask what happens when we don't do these things. We fall into disgrace in the devil's trap, according to this passage up here. We don't want that. We can all think of Christians who have fallen into disgrace recently, in the years past, whatever. Oh, we're Pick, talked pick about it your podcast. year, pick your month, pick yeah. your
0: week. Um, I mean, I, I do believe that influence and power tends to bring with it lots of new challenges, and mm-hmm. sometimes you mm-hmm. kind of see what someone's character really is when they are in a position to maybe do some things that they couldn't do before. Yeah. So that, that brings out people's two colors sometimes, but also prominent Christians in any field Mm -hmm. tend to, uh, you know, we believe there's a spiritual battle and and that kind of puts a target on your back in terms of our spiritual enemies saying, Oh, uh, well, see what I can do to mess that guy up. Right. So I I do think there's some of that going on too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: There is, there is. And we need to, Ask the Lord to help us recognize pitfalls and traps and stuff. But the fact is, if we're not people of a good reputation, we become unusable for the kingdom. And and we are looked down on. And that besmirches the honor of Christ. And ultimately, that is what we need to work on. We want to honor him. We want him to be glorified. Uh, We want to influence people to become followers of his. When we become people with a good reputation, God is able to use that. So, Lord, help us to do that, you know? So, then getting back to something we talked about, the first thing is, what about holding unpopular opinions? Well, the thing is that nothing in these passages addresses that. But I think it's been demonstrated countless times that you can hold unpopular opinions and yet have a good reputation. If you're an honest person who is kind and, and has a good reputation, then holding an unpopular opinion isn't held against you quite so much, especially if you can express that opinion in a way that shows dignity and grace to that person or that group that you disagree with.
0: It does get a little dicey when it comes to, let's say, media or social media where you know it's so easy for somebody who disagrees with you, let's say a political opponent or somebody who has a different Worldview mm-hmm. decides to try to ruin your reputation. Right. tries to kind of paint a caricature of you and mm-hmm. and accuse you right. of all sorts of things. Like that does happen. Yes, it. Does. And it happens to the nicest people, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the the most squeaky clean people. And mm-hmm. sometimes that that doesn't come out for quite a while. I mean, mm-hmm. you you get a public image of somebody that is entirely a media creation that has almost nothing to do with the actual person that that we can't control. Mm -hmm. um, But in terms of maintaining a good reputation among people who actually know you, that is in at least to some degree under our control.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we are to hold to our convictions of Christ, regardless of the popularity of those convictions. And in that sense, we shouldn't care what others think of us. But if we really hope to be people who have a real, tangible impact for Christ in our fears of influence, we need to be people with a good reputation. In other words, we should care what others think about us, that they think of us as good people whose love for Jesus is attractive because it impacts who we are and how we treat people. So that's where I'm going to end it tonight, unless you have anything else. Josh, you want to add before we close out with our public service announcement?
0: No, I've been looking forward to our public service announcement all night. So
1: So just as a thing here, I I mentioned an episode ago that I took a position as uh, an associate pastor here at a local church. And uh, prior to joining the staff, I already had a reputation as someone who brings Chuck Norris facts to the table. So when I've been a guest on their podcast or just meetings in general, you know, I make it a point to make sure they know. Great Chuck Norris facts, <laughs> and uh, so now that I've got, uh, would you say you have
0: a good reputation for doing such? I a do thing? believe
1: that would be a good re- reputation. I think anybody who brings Chuck Norris facts automatically has a good reputation in just about every area. So I went out and bought a desk calendar with Chuck Norris facts for every day. I love it, you know, and you can't get too many Chuck Norris facts because there's no such thing as too many.
0: No, so there's no such thing as too many Chuck Norris facts. Just not enough. Time exactly. To tell them all. There
1: you go. Good point. Good point. And that in itself is a Chuck Norris fact, but that's not the one I was bringing to the table here. But okay. Well, you have the floor. A, right. Okay. Or the table. Cool. There you go. So uh, today's Chuck Norris fact is that Chuck Norris once won an underwater breathing contest against a fish. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah.
0: I'd like to see that trophy.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks, everybody. You have a great night. God bless.
0: Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA, editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at discipleshipdna.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.